We are uh, two weeks into the season of Lent, and Lent is a time when we look ahead to Holy Week and think about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us while remembering at the same time that Easter is coming. And during the 40 days of Lent, we're making the journey to Easter Sunday. And as we read through the gospel accounts of Jesus' trip to Jerusalem, we see that his disciples were making that journey with him as well. And having a sequence of failures along the way. Uh, On the way to Jerusalem, they have an argument about who's the greatest in the kingdom of of God and who's going to sit on his right and who's going to sit on his left in in that kingdom. And then during the last meal that they shared together, we see in Luke's account that once again they're arguing about who's the greatest. Then they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus, and he asks them to pray with him and wait with him. And what do they do? They they fall asleep, right? They they fall asleep. And then later when the guards come, led by Judas, they, they all desert him. And later on, Peter denies him not only once, but three times. And so they miss the mark on numerous occasions. And, and you'd think that Jesus would just give up on them, but he doesn't. And that's because of his mercy. Uh, the good news of the cross, and the, it's the proof that Jesus will never give up on us. Uh, even when we fail him, he will never fail to forgive us. And this morning, as we continue the Miracle of Mercy series, we're going to talk about how God's mercy is always greater than our failures. Um, There's a wideness in God's mercy that covers even our worst mess-ups. And to help us understand how great God's mercy is, we're going to look at some failures in the life of Jesus' disciple and friend, Peter. Um, Peter was one of the 12 disciples, but he was more than just another follower of Jesus. He, He was in the inner circle uh, he was one of the three men that Jesus was closest to. We, we often see in, in the Gospels where Jesus includes Peter, James, and John in ways that he doesn't include the other three, the other disciples. And so Peter's not just a disciple. He's not just a friend. He, he's a close friend. And as it turned out on the last night of Jesus' life, he was a friend who failed to be a friend in many ways. He, he was a friend uh, who was in need of mercy. And we all know what it feels like to fail, right, Uh, in some way or another, to to fail to be a friend like Peter did, uh, to fail at business, to to fail as a parent, to fail as a spouse uh, in some ways, uh, to to fall short in ways that we could have done better or we could have been more. And so this morning we're going to look at Peter's story and and where it was that he got off course and how God, in his mercy, helped Peter to um, recover from that and become one of the pillars of the church. So we're going to start by looking at the three things that Peter did that led to his failure, and they're in your message notes there. And then we'll look at what he did to help him recover from it. And the first thing that we see that's a cause of failure in Peter's life, and and this is something that can be true for us as well, is we, we overestimate our own strength. We overestimate our own strength. And, and when you think, you know, when you think that you can handle more than you can, whether it's your workload or uh, your ability to resist temptation, 
then, then we can get tripped up. And Peter's failure story starts in Matthew chapter 26. Um, the disciples had shared a last meal together. They were on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and Jesus told them plainly what was going to happen to him when they got to Jerusalem or uh, during the evening, that evening, that he would be arrested, that he'd be beaten, that he would be crucified, and um, that they would all leave him alone to face those events by himself. And so we read about that in Matthew twenty six thirty one through 35. It says, On the way, Jesus told them, Tonight all of you will desert me. For the scripture says that God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And the other disciples vowed the same. So, the, so they all said the same thing. And they all said, we've got your back. We, we, we won't let you down. They all said, uh, we would never do this, Lord. And, and Peter was even more adamant than the rest. I mean, he noticed three times Peter says, no. I will never do that. I will never deny you. And he's overestimating his own strength. And often when we fail, it starts with overestimating our own, our own willpower, our own abilities, our own strength. A, a lot of businesses fail. Uh, a lot of uh, battles are lost. A lot of students flunk out of school because they overestimate their, their own strength. Uh, spouses fall into affairs because they overestimate their own strength. I can handle it. It's just a little flirting and no big deal. And we need to be aware of thinking that, you know, this can never happen to me. Uh, 1 Corinthians ten twelve says that those who think they are standing firm had better be careful they do not fall. Yep. Uh, the Bible says that one of the reasons that we fail, have failures in our life, is because we think we're stronger than we really are. And, and none of us are exempt from this. Uh, given the right situation, we are all capable of sin. Um, what's that, that saying? There but for the grace of God go I, right? And, and here's the real challenge for all of us. We overestimate our own strength, and we underestimate the enemy's strength. Um, when we rely on our own strength, then we give the enemy an, an opportunity to display his. And I, I think that is um, interesting that we read Paul, uh, Peter saying this later in a, a letter that he wrote several years uh, after Jesus' resurrection. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And that was Peter's experience. That was Peter's warning to us. Don't overestimate your own strength and don't underestimate the strength of the enemy. All right. Then the second mistake that Peter made was he let fear guide his decisions, his choices. Uh, When the guards came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter drew his sword and he flailed aimlessly with it, you know, uh, skillfully cutting off one man's ear. And uh, 
Jesus told him, put away the sword, and uh, he healed the man's ear, and then he went with the soldiers. And if you think about that, that must have been confusing for Peter and the disciples. If we're not supposed to fight, what are we supposed to do? And, and uh, remarkably, the only answer they came up with was run. We, we'll just run away. And the disciples fled, all of them, including Peter, the rock. And the guards took Jesus and the high priest and the disciples were scattered. But Peter didn't scatter very far. He uh, turned around and he followed the torches to the high priest's home. It says in Matthew twenty six fifty eight, Peter followed from a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest's house. He went into the courtyard and sat down with the guards to see how it would all come out. So he went in, but we see that he wasn't all in. Uh, in verse 29, it says, Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. Uh, he said, I don't know what you're talking about. Then in verse 72, we see that he denies Jesus again. And then in verses 73 through 75, it says, After a little while, the men standing there came to Peter. So, you know, he's surrounded by this group of men. And they say, of course you're one of them. They said, uh, after all, the way you speak gives you away. So it's like you got this Galilean accent. You are one of him, one of them. And Peter said, I swear I'm telling the truth. May God punish me if I'm not. I do not know the man. And just then a cock crowed, and Peter remembered what Jesus had told him. Before the cock crows, you'll say three times that you do not know me. And he went out and he wept bitterly. So, so three times, he says, I don't even know him. Um, I don't even know this guy. Fear. <laughs> don't you hate what it does to us sometimes? <laughs> it's like it creeps in, it takes over. And we make choices based on what might happen or what others might say or what it might cost or who we might, who might not like us anymore or you name it. And, you know, um, that Peter had a legitimate reason to be afraid. I mean, he's surrounded by this group of guys saying, you too, you, you sound like that, that guy. Uh, and he could have lost his life. But he also had reason for faith as well. And we always have a choice. To, to trust God or to give in to fear, to succeed or to fail. And God, you know, is always inviting us to join him in the work that he's doing in the world around us and to speak to someone about our faith, to uh, ask to pray with someone, to invite someone to church, to sacrifice some time or resources uh, for the kingdom of God, to serve in some way. And what often happens is um, fear will set in and, and it will tell us to wait. Uh, it's not the right time to keep quiet, to don't be so radical, to do the safe thing, to keep your money for yourself. Fear keeps us from acting on the invitation that God gives us. And Peter let fear guide his choices, and he ended up feeling the sting and the pain of denying a friend. Then the third mistake that we see in, in his story is that we give up when we could have persevered. We give up when we could have, should have persevered. Uh, and we don't know what God's intention for Peter was in that situation. All we know is that he disappears from the story and we don't see him again until after the resurrection. 
And it was a stranger, uh, Simon of Cyrene, who carried the cross for Jesus when he couldn't go on anymore, not his friend Peter. It was two uh, secret disciples, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who took his body down from the cross and laid it in the tomb, not his friend Peter. And, you know, I've had times in my life when I've given up when I could have persevered. And I'm sure that you have too. (laughs) And in those situations, we're left with these big question marks. You know, what would have happened if I had trusted God? Might God have come through in some big way if I hadn't given up? And, you know, we don't know in Peter's case how God might have protected him or what would have happened but we can learn from his story. Uh, So what do we see Peter doing to recover from his failure? And what should we do when we fail? Well, the first thing we see is that he grieved, and we should grieve. You should grieve your failure. Don't don't pretend it didn't happen. Our our natural tendency is to protect our ego uh, so that when we fail, we try to justify it, we try to rationalize it away. We stuff our emotions and our feelings about it. We act like it didn't matter, that it didn't hurt. But instead, what we see Peter doing is grieving. And in Matthew twenty six seventy five, it says that when Peter remembered those words that Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times, he went out and he wept bitterly. And this is a principle in life. To get past grief the grief of failure, you need to walk through the pain of failure. Um, you know, we don't like feeling bad, and, uh, but grief is part of healing and recovery. And grief is the way that we learn from the lessons. Uh, so often when we fail, we want to just forget it and push it aside and go on and immediately go to the next thing, right? The problem is when we do that, when we haven't grieved, we don't learn what God wants us to learn from that failure. So we bring the same old you into the new marriage, into the new job, into the new dream, and we, nothing's changed. You, you didn't learn anything because you weren't willing to take some time to grieve for a little while. So it's okay to be sad when you fail. The first step of recovery is to grieve, to be honest, to say, I blew it. Then the second thing is to seek the help and support of friends. Um, when we fail, the enemy will try um, one of two approaches. He'll tell you it's no big deal, uh, just keep it to yourself, pretend it didn't happen. Or he'll try to convince you that this is such a big deal that you'll never be forgiven. Uh, you, you can't, you don't dare tell anybody. There's nobody that'll accept you if they, if they knew this about you. And Mark 16.10 says that three days after the resurrection, the women, Mary of Magdalene and uh, the other Mary, they went to the tomb. They were greeted by an angel with the, with the uh, message that he's not here, he's risen from the dead, and go and tell his disciples. And Mark tells us that when the women went to find the disciples, they found, uh, found them, including Peter, P- Peter, all together, grieving and weeping. And... Um, when we fail, our tendency is to just uh, want to keep it to ourselves. Uh, and, you know, you don't need to tell the world. You don't need to post it on Facebook. But to tell one person who you can trust or a small group of people who will pray with you and support you and walk through that time. Uh, when, we, when we share our problems in life, 
then they're cut in half. When we share our joys, then, then they're doubled. And that's why our small groups are so important. That's why I try and encourage you to get in groups. You're not meant to do life alone. We're meant to do life in community with others who, who love you and will support you. And that's where we find Peter when he has his biggest failure. He goes to that small group of people that Jesus formed. And he and his, the disciples were there grieving and weeping together. And then the third step to recovery is to seek and receive God's mercy. Seek and receive God's mercy. <clears throat> One of my um, favorite stories about Peter is found in John chapter 21. And after Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to the disciples several times. Um, Peter had seen him alive, but he was still carrying around the weight of having failed his friend. And you've probably read this story, but um, the disciples are there in Galilee, several of them, and, and Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. And so uh, there were six others that say, oh, well, we'll go with you. And so they go out, and they get a boat, and they, they go fishing, and they fish all night, and they don't catch anything. And early the next morning, there's a figure on the beach, and he calls out to them, and he says, have you caught anything? And, and they said, no, we haven't caught anything all night. And he said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat. And when they do, they, they catch so many fish, they can't even pull in the nets. And then it's, that's, that's when John, the disciple that Jesus loves, caught on. And he said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for uh, he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. And the other disciples followed with the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And I think it's interesting that um, though the book of John was written by John, and he was present for the events in this story and for the uh, narrative that follows, uh, it's not about John. It's about Peter. And though John was the first one to recognize Jesus as the one that was calling from the beach, um, Peter is the first to respond. Because Peter is the one who needs desperately to see the face of Jesus again, to to look into his eyes and and to find forgiveness. He was so hungry for that, he jumped into the water. He didn't wait for the boat. And, And he swims to shore to stand before Jesus. Um, too resp- repentant to speak and too hopeful to leave. And, and the re- one of the reasons I like this story is because I'm an artist and, and I think that that would make a great painting. Um, Peter's standing there soaking wet <laughs> with tears coming down his face. And, and if I could just capture the look of relief and joy in his face, um, the look in his eyes when his eyes meet Jesus' eyes, that would be the look of mercy received. And if we could just... Um, uh, understand that expression and, and, see, and receive it in our hearts. Understand that what Jesus accomplished on the cross was enough to cover all of our worst failures uh, as well. And our memory verse for the small groups this week is 1 Corinthians 13, 5, uh, just the last part. It says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Uh, Jesus doesn't keep a record of our failures Uh, The enemy wants us to, but Jesus doesn't keep a record of wrongs. 
And Lent is a time of sober reflection and repentance, and it's, but it's always tempered with the knowledge and promise of the resurrection. And, and we need to search our hearts during this time. But at the same time, we're listening for Jesus to tell us to cast our nets on the other side, to, to get up and try again. That's what, uh, what is the, the good news of the gospel message. And the purpose of Lent is to deepen our love for Jesus as we receive the grace and mercy that covers our past failures and to find strength by leaning into his goodness. And my prayer for all of us is that relying on and learning about God's mercy in our small groups and in the messages on Sunday, that we'll come out the other side of Easter more aware of and thankful for Jesus' love, grace, and mercy. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we do thank you that our, uh, our hope isn't in us, that it's in you. And we thank you that your mercies are new every morning, that we can trust you um, to forgive us when we fall down, when we make mistakes, when we just outright sin. Thank you for loving us in that way, for forgiving us for the big and small uh, things in our life. And I just pray for every person here that, that they will receive that this morning that as a word from you, that they're forgiven, that they're loved. And uh, then to pick up and go from there, leaning into you. Thank you, God, for this church and the opportunities that we have as a church to bring that message to the world, that they, there's forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. Help us to do that well. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.